Jordan is on best. Harper's on Miller. Welcome to another edition of the Indie Cornrows Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Schindler. As always, before we get started, if you've not already, please be sure to rate and review us over on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us out. Uh, we're just about to hit 50 ratings, so if you're the 50th, maybe something will happen. Who knows? Uh, hit me up. We'll, we'll find something out. Uh, really psyched to be joined today by Brian Sutter. I'm sure you know him. If you if you know who I am, you probably know who Brian is. Uh, one of the very best at breaking down uh, sports-related injuries. Uh, you can find him at Brian Sutter, MD on youtube um brian how are you doing man i'm doing great thanks a lot for having me yeah and to, to everyone listening of course i gotta point out there uh, brian has a really nice larry bird indiana state jersey in the background <laughs> um i'm sure that would make a lot of people proud i personally am not a, a larry bird fan but you know what to each his own um yeah i grew so i grew up in indiana so i actually grew up a pacers fan yeah um and my wife went to indiana state which of course where it was where uh, larry bird went to college so yeah it's one of my favorite jerseys it, that i've got in my in my room here <laughs> no i love it it's just a great backdrop so I, yeah i grew up um i was a weird kid i grew up in cleveland but all my family went to either michigan state or u of m and uh so i of course was you know the weird kid who like georgetown i was like you know i love Alon- <laughs> alonzo mornings like my favorite player all time and I love the jerseys. I love John Thompson. So that's how I grew up. Um, so I've never been like, uh, I've, I've always had kind of the, the ugly duckling things, but I got into the Pacers and now I'm covering them. So it works out all right. Um, yeah. You know, I think there are a lot of things for why I wanted, a lot of reasons for why I wanted to bring you on. Um, mainly, I mean, the number one we can talk about is, is just looking at the league overall. Uh, it, incredibly weird off season and especially compounding the fact that you're coming off of uh, a really awkward situation in the bubble, just based on how your body reacts to those kind of things. Um, I, of course, am not an MD or anything, so I don't, I don't understand that stuff. I mean, I understand sports science to a degree. Um, I actually was originally working on a sports science degree, and then I realized I don't like science, so I got into covering <laughs> sports instead. Good idea to switch then. Yes, yeah. yeah I, I learned after physiology. Um, I, I learned pretty quickly. I was like, wow, I don't like doing this. But, um, <laughs> yeah, so I think – also, you know, looking at resting principles and kind of how that works out is is how I want to start talking about this. Um, obviously, things are always fly off the hinges in terms of load management. I think that really blew up last year, uh, or I guess two years ago now, with Kawhi in uh, in Toronto after he moved over from San Antonio. Um, sure. You know, I, I think the biggest thing that I want to say or, or ask you about is, um, you know, looking at resting principles in general. How do you think? they kind of apply and fit in because I know things have changed up. I mean, we used to be in early two thousands, you had guys like Jamal Mashburn playing 44, 45 minutes a game for like, I think he played like three or four straight years like that. And then of course his career comes to a super sudden end because of microfracture surgery. Um, And there you could pull out tons of cases of guys like that. So I think, right. You know, looking at how resting principles have changed. um, If you could speak on that for a second, yeah, it's obviously a broad start, but yeah. Yeah. No, it sounds great. I think the biggest thing you have to realize first off is every player is very individual with this in terms of their unique 
um, body composition, their unique genetic makeup, the way that their body specifically responds to not only load and exercise, but also rest. And so everybody hears load management and they think first off, that just means minutes, which is not true. There's actually good high amounts of load that sometimes guys need to get in shape. And so everybody wants to put every player in the NBA and every team in the NBA into this one box and call it load management and apply the same principles to everybody. But if there's anything that this field, which honestly is pretty new in the sense of how much we understand about what data actually is important to look at with this quote load management question, everybody's unique. And so you can't apply one principle to every single player. And so Kawhi's situation is completely different from somebody like Victor Oladipo or somebody like Kevin Durant, who we're hearing is, you know, resting now in the second night of a back-to-back. Not only are their injuries different, but their bodies are different. And so these teams are doing the best they can to understand each individual player's body, not only how they're going to respond to low night in, night out, but also how they're going to respond to the rest. Somebody like LeBron James has seems to have this crazy potential to recover really well and really quickly. And so you also have to take that into account compared to other players who might not have that ability for their body to heal and recover as quickly. And so I think there's a lot of stuff out there that we don't understand yet in terms of what really is this magic formula. We know that you want to load the body in sort of a a proper sequential fashion in terms of not ramping up too quickly. There's some evidence out there when you look at the, what we call acute to chronic workload ratio. So taking how much workload you have over an acute period of say one week and comparing that to a longer period over say a month and looking at how that ratio balances. And there's some data that shows if that ratio is too high, meaning you have this sudden spike in your workload that puts you at risk of injury, but also if it's too low, it puts you at risk of injury. So there's kind of this sweet spot we're finding with these workload ratios. And I think there's still a lot that we have to learn um, in this field going forward. And that seems to be kind of the Holy grail for these teams of what that perfect formula is to keep their guys healthy, but also work them enough to where they're conditioned when, you know, the playoff come down the road. Yeah, no. So that totally makes sense. You know, looking at, at, you know, and and we've looked at it in terms of uh, kind of how analytics have moved forward. And um, I think there's often an improper use of the word analytics and thinking everyone thinking, okay, it's about shooting threes. It's no, you know, you're finding the best shot for each individual player um, that results in the most efficient play. So it's kind of like that with injuries a little bit then like not fitting someone uh, in the same box. Like everyone has their own kind of set of circumstances. So that totally makes sense. Um, you know, when looking at this year as well, coming off of uh, obviously this really extended layoff, um, is there anything that you're kind of observing right off the bat that is maybe different or just kind of general thoughts that you have on how guys are handling rest? Because, I mean, already uh, Demonis Sabonis just played 40 minutes last night on the first game, first back-to-back of the season, uh, which I was slightly surprised by. I thought, um, not in a bad way, but I just, um, I-, I thought coming into this year, we'd maybe see more deeper rotations, um, yeah, especially for teams in the bubble uh, that played in the bubble. Um, but yeah, that's something I've definitely been noting. Yeah. So, you know, with Sabonis, it's actually going to be really key to see how he responds, you know, how he's feeling today, how they're yeah. feeling tomorrow, not necessarily that in the moment type of thing. And so again, getting back to his recovery. So how well is he able to recover? How well is he able to adapt to that high workload? I think you've really got to put teams in two different camps with the restart. You've got the teams that went deep into the playoffs and have had a limited time off compared to the teams that haven't played since March. When we look at, you know, like soft tissue injuries in sport, we know that your soft tissues, meaning your muscles, your ligaments, your tendons, 
actually do adapt to stress. They're not static. They can change over time and you need to load them properly to get them acclimated to the workload to help prevent from getting hurt. And so if you rush people back too soon, if some of these teams that had, you know, longer playoff runs, we've seen Jimmy Butler have some more issues with kind of this ankle soreness. Those are the teams that I'd be more worried about kind of having to have these slower ramp up processes where you might see guys have more nights of rest because their body is still trying to get acclimated to that high workload. I think the teams that haven't played since March, I don't think they have to be as worried about this just because they've had the adequate amount of time to get back to it. But I think what we're seeing now, some of these teams probably wishing they played more preseason games because there's a big difference in the workload on just your cardiovascular fitness, as well as the health of these soft tissues from doing five on five in practice versus full game action. Um, And I think teams are maybe wishing they had done some more preseason. And so I feel like these first couple of weeks of the season for a lot of these teams are still kind of that feeling out period, still getting their bodies back into shape. And it's hard to then look at the results we're seeing right now and apply those to the rest of the season, because we really haven't had the ability for teams to kind of settle in to their ultimate kind of fitness conditioning level, especially given how shortened everything was before the season started. Yeah, exactly. I've been uh, I've been really kind of pondering how to how to feel about that. I mean, like the first game, um, I mean, TJ Warren didn't play at all in preseason because he's dealing with plantar fasciitis, um, which that's another thing we'll have to talk about. But, um, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, so he plays in his first game back. He scores like, you know, his lowest point total in like two or three years, um, just has a really uncomfortable game. But I mean, at the same time, it's like, well, he's dealing with he's, he's coming back. He hasn't had any of that ramp up. He was, I mean, playing in uh training camp but it's totally different getting that in game reps um so yeah Yeah. it's an interesting thing to look at for sure we think too you know with injuries everybody hears about return to play is kind of the Mm -hmm. the word you hear about when guys are going to be back on the court but it's it's really a spectrum that's much more detailed than just oh return to play you're good when players are going through rehab so somebody like tj warren he's technically returning to his sport before he's returning Mm -hmm. to play before ultimately returning to performance. And so the first step in that process is getting back to your sport in the sense of, yeah, he's on the court, he's going through some drills, he's, he's getting up shots. He's kind of going through the motions of playing basketball. The next step is then getting back to play to where he's able to get through game scenarios. He's able to maintain that workload, but you're still not at that step of returning to performance. And that's really what takes a more extended period of time. And it's really, I think, why we're seeing Durant look so good right now. I mean, he's had more time to get back to that performance level. And so these players like like TJ Warren, I think they're really still in that phase of, yeah, they're back to play, they're back to their sport, but they haven't quite gotten back to that performance level, so to speak, which is really that last step in any sort of rehab process. Okay, that that totally makes sense. And I think it's interesting too. Um, this is just my my thought. And I'm, I'd love to hear yours as well. Uh, but like with a guy like KD um, and looking at players in general and, you know, especially looking at Victor, um, I feel like play style plays a really important piece of how a guy comes back. Because KD, not to say that he's For not sure. a physical player, but I mean, so much of his game is being able to rise up over someone, um, which, I mean, obviously Achilles is, is deadly to, to most athletes but of course you know he just has the way that he's worked back has worked out well um he's not super reliant on being versed he's just having his you know supreme length is what really gives him what he has but you look at a guy like victor i mean in 17 18 uh he was just dominant in terms of being a, a extremely physical downhill force and his game was predicated on his burst and his pop at the rim and that's the stuff we're still seeing in kind of uh hoping will will come back through time 
Um, so would you say like play style and that kind of that definitely has an impact on um, on return to performance? Yeah, I think it definitely does, as well as, you know, looking at what the injury was. So, you know, somebody like um, like Clay Thompson, who doesn't rely on that explosiveness, you don't worry as much about like an Achilles injury as somebody, you know, maybe like a Kevin Durant, who does need a little bit more of that. Yeah. And someone like Oladipo, you know, I, I don't know if you classify him as really an overly explosive, but he's a very dynamic athlete. He's yeah. a lot of hard cuts, a lot of hard pivots. And with his injury, I mean, that quad tendon rupture is just about as devastating of an injury as, as you can have. I mean, you are so reliant as a basketball player on those quad muscles, that knee extensor mechanism with your leaping ability, your jumping, even just your basic running. And the fact that he's back period is pretty darn impressive to begin with. I mean, I think we take for granted sometimes that yeah. an injury like that to you or me, we probably would never like be the same. And these guys are still able to go back out and play NBA level basketball. The hard part too is, you know, no matter how good, his surgeon is or any surgeon is the tissue is never the same the tissue yeah. your exact biomechanics body length measurements the exact tension that you can generate in that quadriceps muscle through the tendon in down to the leg it's never exactly the same as it was before your surgery and we don't necessarily always know how guys are going to respond to those little minute differences when they've just been so finely tuned and well trained for their whole career you make one little millimeter change in their difference from one side to the other. And that really can have more of an impact than we understand. And so I think a lot of this period for guys like Oladipo is trying to kind of let their body feel out how things are different, how they have to adjust guys like Gordon Hayward, no matter how good that surgery was, his ankle is not the same ankle that he spent the majority of his basketball career playing on. That doesn't mean he's damaged good, so to speak. It just means he needs more time to let his body kind of settle into what's new and adapt to these pathways that have been built for so long in his basketball career to now be able to sort of compensate and deal with what's different within his body. Okay. Yeah, that, that totally makes sense. And I, I think, you know, kind of right off that and, and looking at Vic and his return to play and um, expectations for him, I think I've been trying to be very careful with that because I think there's, there's been a, he obviously struggled in the bubble. Um, you know, I think that's, out you can't question that um but yeah. i think i, I struggle too in looking at how fans talk about it because um it, vic has been very open about how this is a rare injury and it is i mean you know and yep. going through stuff and talking to people the closest you can really pull up is Kawhi and Kawhi's is still pretty different and tony parker's as well and they never played uh, i believe tony parker never played a back-to-back again in his career and, and Kawhi has yet to um, and so yeah. I'm thinking that's probably the same route that's going to happen for Victor. He obviously didn't play yesterday uh, and it would have been his first back-to-back this season. Um, do you think that there that's ever going to be something in the future or is it, I mean, it's hard to gauge obviously. Yeah, but. that's a great question. I think also with teams, there's a lot of just hesitancy. They're nervous. Yeah. You know, we know that in any scenario, a history of an injury is the biggest risk factor for a repeat injury. And so if you don't have to play a guy, you know, 40 minutes a night, day in, day out, because the more minutes you're out there on the court, the more risk you are of getting hurt, then the teams aren't going to. And so I think a lot of it is really just teams being hesitant and being a little bit cautious with it. Some of it too could simply be, you know, if, if Oladipo's out there and he plays really long minutes one night and the next morning, he's like, gosh, you know, I just feel a little bit more stiff. I'm feeling a little bit more sore. 
they're going to rely on that feedback as well to say, okay, let's, let's lower your minutes a little bit. Let's, let's decrease that load. Let's see if you respond better to that. And so it's, I think it's going to continue to be just a, a daily kind of weekly process for him. I don't think there's a reason to say, gosh, the rest of his career, no back to backs. Yeah, no. He can't do it. He, you know, he's not going to be able to. Um, but I think it's going to be kind of an ever-changing that we just really have a hard time yeah, to it's predict. Fluid. I mean, it's fluid. It's not set. So. It's fluid, right? And, and fans want to see a set like you're back. Why aren't you back? So to speak. You yeah. know, they they kind of miss that there's this spectrum where the recovery process goes on well after you're actually back there on the court. Okay. Yeah. That that totally makes sense to me. Um, so I think one of the last things I want to ask you too, um, just in looking in general and, and how sports medicine is kind of changing or not even sports medicine, I guess it would be sports science or just injury management. Um, what are some things like maybe some perceptions that there are about the way that, you know, uh, rest and recovery are handled and, and how they're changing. And uh, I think there has been a lot of backlash to it. It's difficult. You know, I, um, I, I think we see it in kind of everything, you know, we've seen it in politics this year for sure. Um, and I guess every year to an extent, but, um, you know, you look at how, you know, in some ways in older generation, especially, I think it's been very pertinent with players, you know, guys who are analysts now that played in late nineties, early two thousands. And that generation was very different, um, you know, physically on court and the way the game was played. Right. Um, it, both in terms of, I, I think the physicality, gets a little bit overblown, um, but you know, it's, it's different. Like I mentioned with Jamal Mashburn, like so many guys like Antoine Walker would play like 45 minutes a night. Um, you know, I feel like there's just a lot of backlash to that. And I, I guess, you know, what are some things that you think uh, you hope to see kind of dispelled sometime, uh, you know, in the near future? Yeah, that's an excellent question. I think first of all, it's, it's kind of unfair and it's crazy when, when the older players complain about this because yeah. everything that these teams are doing it's for the health and safety of the player. You know, yeah. it's not like resting guys benefits the team in terms of ticket sales and revenue. And so they're basically making a sacrifice for their team to benefit the health of the player. And yet everybody wants to criticize, Oh, you know, these guys are soft. These guys don't oh, care. Don't even get me started but, on the soft. But thing. I yeah, yeah. But I, I mean, it. the teams are doing it because they want these guys to be healthy. They don't want these guys beat up when they retire. They want them to be in good shape. They don't want to see them tear their Achilles tendons. And so I think we're kind of missing that piece of it. I wish yeah. there was more emphasis that the teams are doing this to help the athletes, which is what everybody should want here. I think big picture though, when we look at, you know, what's kind of changing in the landscape of how athletes are cared for something I've been really excited and proud to see is how much teams are thinking about and players are thinking about the mental health aspect of this. Yeah. When we talk about that load management question, you got to remember load can be anything from minutes played to number of times jumped to number of bench press reps to mental stress. So we can measure mental stress and mental workload. And we know that that makes a difference in the health of these guys. And so the fact that we're seeing more players, Kevin Love, you know, just to mention one, even guys in the NFL, Dak Prescott, come out and be open and upfront about difficulties with mental health. That opens the door for these teams to then talk about this with players, have more discussions, ask about their mental health, have them work with sports psychologists. I love seeing that more openness in the league around mental health awareness. And I think we're starting to see that, yeah, if we take care of these guys' mental health, that's going to help them be more physically healthy as well and just have an overall better athlete. And so I think that's something that, especially through this pandemic, has been awesome to see both players and teams really start to embrace to get just a more well-rounded approach to caring for the athletes.
Yeah, I think that's a great point. Looking at it holistically, you know, I because I, I I never made it to you know NBA level, but I was working on a pro boxing career, and I definitely struggle with the mental aspects. You know, as much yeah. as you work on stuff physically, um, if you don't have the mental aspect, it's difficult. And I think um, right. you look at a guy like Kevin Knox um, in in New York. He hasn't had injury problems, but I mean, he's been open about having a lot of issues with confidence, and that's the kind of yeah. thing like. Um, I, I don't love when the word bus gets thrown around because I think so much of it is environment and, you know, the way that um, a team handles a guy's development and the the pressure that they put on them, things like that. You know, that's a lot of, a lot, a lot of things like that don't get taken into consideration. So I, I agree. I think right. that's really important. Um, yeah. So lastly, before I get you out of here, um, what are you working on right now? What are you excited about? Anything that you want to, you want to plug that that's, uh, that's going on? I'm excited just to have sports back. You know, I feel like in general, it was, it was pretty tough. I remember the other day thinking, gosh, like it was just not too long ago. We were sitting here watching horse tournaments, like being filmed <laughs> oh, God, on cell awful. phones in someone's backyard and like 2k and, and with Kevin Durant, yeah. like legs sprawled up on a desk that just, just like the yeah. weirdest stuff that we that were kind of time, like, man. Yeah, we had to see like 40 yeah. year old Chauncey Billups playing horse. Like it was weird. But. I know. <laughs> so it's great to just see sports starting to come back. You know, I know we're still learning a lot more about the effects of COVID and, and just kind of still trying to piece through some of this, but I'm excited to see sports coming back. I'm excited to see the vaccine out. I feel like the world's kind of hopefully starting to turn a corner with things. Um, otherwise, beyond that, I'm, I'm excited to keep trying to grow the YouTube channel into 2021 and, and just keep reaching and trying to teach as many people as I can about medicine and, and get them a little bit more excited about that side of sports. Awesome. Well, Brian, I appreciate it to everyone listening. Of course, I will have Brian's stuff down in the description so you can go follow him and check out all of his stuff. Um, I actually think I got turned on to you when I watched, you did a video on when Zion shoe burst, I believe. And I think that was the first yeah. <laughs> video I ever saw. And then I've watched yeah. ever since. So it's that to everyone listening. Nice. Of course, so I appreciate the support. That. Yeah, of course, man. Um, yeah. Everyone listening, have a good rest of your day. Thank you for listening. Uh, we'll have a lot more stuff. I think I'm recording another podcast in a couple hours. So we'll have, we'll have stuff coming out soon. Uh, have a good rest of your day.